Hello, everyone, and welcome to Killer Cast, where we tell stories of true American heroes. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Alongside, I have my brother, Brandon Kilpatrick. And today, we have our father, Mark Kilpatrick, with us. To introduce ourselves, I'm Michael, and I'm a recent BYUI graduate in mechanical engineering. I'm Brandon. I'm a civil engineer and a member of the Idaho Army National Guard and also a BYU-Idaho graduate. And I'm Mark, the father of these knuckleheads. I'm a mechanical engineering graduate, shall we say, from several years ago, lest I reveal my age, from BYU Provo. The killer nickname started with my dad. It followed me and continues with my sons. It is peculiar to me how it has now found its way into the cutting edge of technology. Podcasts? Killer casts? What? Just, just keep reading your part. All right. Well, with me being from the baby boomer generations, I am adaptable, so I will carry on. This nickname most often surfaced in the sports environment where we get her done. All right. In today's episode, episode seven, we'll be given two stories. The first is an American hero made popular through the movie Hacksaw Ridge, Desmond Doss, who demonstrated his faith in God and saved the lives of many. The second story is about Onada Hairu, a member of the Japanese military. We connect the stories a little differently today, so listen all the way through to hear how we tie them together. We hope you enjoy today's stories. Let's get right to it. Desmond Doss entered World War II as a conscientious objector due to his Christian Seventh-day Adventist convictions. He became a medic, also known as a company aid man, assigned to the 2nd Platoon, Company B, 1st Battalion, 307th Infantry, 77th Infantry Division. Although he did not carry a weapon or even fire a shot, Doss made a major impact on the war. As the American troops reached the top of a 400-foot-high jagged cliff, they were met with heavy concentration of enemy artillery, mortar, and machine gun fire, resulting in approximately 75 casualties. This assault caused the remaining survivors to retreat from whence they came down that jagged cliff to cover. Doss refused to retreat, nor seek cover. Rather, he remained in the enemy fire sweep area with those who had fallen. Doss carried them one by one to the edge of the cliff and lowered them down by rope to the American forces below, all while the enemy was sweeping the area looking for survivors. Desmond Doss was praying the whole time, saying, Please, Lord, just let me get one more. When he rescued that one more, he approached the Lord with even greater humility. Please, just one more. And then proceeded with courage, determination, and conviction. On May 2nd, he again subjected himself to heavy rifle and mortar fire while rescuing a wounded man some 200 yards forward of the American line. And two days later, he treated four men who had been cut down by enemy fire while assaulting a strongly defended cave. Doss advanced through a shower of grenades to within eight yards of enemy forces located in the cave's mouth to rescue his comrades. He dressed their wounds before making four separate trips under fire to evacuate each to safety. On May 5th, without hesitation, Doss braved enemy shelling and small arms fire to assist an artillery officer. He applied bandages, moved his patient to a spot that offered protection from small arms fire and, 
while artillery and mortar shells fell close, he painstakingly administered plasma. Later that day, when an American was severely wounded by fire from the cave, Doss crawled to where he had fallen 25 feet from the enemy position, rendered aid, and carried him 100 yards back to safety while being continually exposed to enemy fire. On May 21st, in a night attack on high ground near Shuri, Okinawa, he remained in exposed territory while the rest of his company took cover. Doss risked his life not only from enemy fire, but friendly fire, as he could be mistaken for the infiltrating Japanese while giving aid to the injured until he was seriously wounded in both legs from a grenade explosion. Rather than call another aid man from cover, he cared for his own injuries and waited five hours before two rescuers reached him and started carrying him to cover. Doss and his two stretcher bearers were caught in an enemy tank attack, and Private First Class Doss, seeing a more critically wounded man nearby, crawled off the stretcher and directed the bearers to give their first attention to the other man. Awaiting the rescuer's return, he was again struck, this time suffering a compound fracture of one arm. With magnificent fortitude, he bound a rifle stock to his shattered arm as a splint and then crawled 300 yards over rough terrain to the aid station. Desmond Doss was awarded the Medal of Honor for his courage, outstanding bravery, and unflinching determination in the face of extremely dangerous conditions in Okinawa. He is credited for saving the lives of 75 soldiers, but some claim that number should be upwards of 100. His name became a symbol throughout the 77th Infantry Division for outstanding gallantry far above and beyond the call of duty. Desmond's story is one of my favorites. He had a love for God and a love for his country and wanted to honor both of them equally. He found something he could do without having to shoot a rifle, and he did it with full heart, might, mind, and every ounce of strength he had. Doss suffered a left arm fracture from a sniper's bullet and at one point had 17 pieces of shrapnel embedded in his body. Brandon will now tell his second story of another man who had extreme determination. Hiro Onoda joined the military at the age of 18 and became an Imperial Japanese Army intelligence worker who fought in World War II. On December 26, 1944, he was sent to Labang Island in the Philippines and was ordered to do all he could to hamper the enemy attacks on the island. This included destroying the airstrip and the pier at the harbor. He was also ordered that under no circumstances was he to surrender or take his own life. Being dropped off on the Bang Island, Anoda joined forces with a group of Japanese soldiers who had been dropped off earlier. While joining the group, Anoda was outranked and was prevented from carrying out his assignment. The American forces landed on the island on February 28, 1945, and began an attack on Anoda and his group. Only Anoda and three others survived the battle and remained to carry on the fight. Being promoted to lieutenant, Anoda ordered the remaining men to take to the hills. While hiding in the hills, Anoda and the three others carried out guerrilla activities and engaged in several shootouts with the police. In October of 1945, a leaflet was discovered by Anoda and company which stated that Japan had surrendered and that the war was over. They didn't believe the message and stayed in hiding. Due to hunger, Onoda harvested a cow. Stuck to the side of the cow, there was another leaflet that stated the war officially ended on September 2, 1945. It also told them to come down from the mountains. 
They concluded that the leaflet was Allied propaganda and didn't believe it. More leaflets were dropped by air with a message from the Japanese general stating the war was over. Since they remained in the mountains in hiding and being cut off from communication, these leaflets were the only thing to inform them that the war was over. Closely investigating the message dropped by the general, Anoda and the others decided the message was fake. In the next few years, pictures of family members and home-written letters were dropped trying to convince them to come out of hiding. Again, they thought this was another tactic of the enemy trying to trick them. After shootouts with local fishermen, search parties, and police, Onoda was the only one left alive and remained in hiding, continuing his guerrilla tactics, which included burning rice that had been collected by the local farmers. A Japanese man named Nuryo Suzuki was on a search mission to find three mysterious creatures. His list consisted of Lieutenant Onoda, a panda, and the abominable snowman, and he wanted to find them in that order. He ended up finding Anoda and asked why he was still in hiding. Anoda responded by saying that he was waiting for orders from a superior officer. Suzuki took pictures to provide evidence that Anoda was still alive and brought them back to the Japanese government. They found his commanding officer and sent him to relieve Anoda of his duties. Anoda turned in his sword, functioning rifle, 500 rounds of ammunition, a few hand grenades, and his dagger that his mother gave him in 1944 to take his own life if he was ever captured. Anoda's orders to cease all combat duty was issued March 9, 1974, nearly 30 years after Japan surrendered and World War II ended. Desmond and Onoda didn't know each other, but they both shared a deep conviction to give their all for their beliefs and their country. While Desmond fought as a free man to protect freedom, Onoda fought in support of a monarchy government and militarism. The fight for freedom continues, and it will always prevail. More than 1.1 million Americans have given their lives to protect our freedoms and assist in granting others theirs. These 1.1 million are not just a number. They are fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters. They are the true heroes, and we couldn't be more grateful for their service. Email us your thoughts and tell us stories you think will be great over the air at KillerCast22 at gmail.com. That's KillerCasts, C-A-S-T-S, 22 at gmail.com. You can listen to each episode from our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or CastBox. Now remember your pledge and fight for it. Fight for it as so many Americans have fought for our freedoms. Fight for your pledge as Martin Treptow fought for his pledge to protect this country. Martin Treptow, trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. We're told that on his body was found a diary. On the flyleaf, under the heading, My Pledge, he had written these words. America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice. I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, 
they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans.